Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And it's starting to warm up. I don't know, I've got a, a little, a couple couple resistive ice piles that were in the backyard. They're in the shadows, but they're melting pretty quick. I tell you, I, I was digging some holes uh, this week, so some new fruit trees going in, and uh, the ground is really easy to work right now if it's thawed. Now, I know I'm, this is broadcast all over northern Arizona, and so it's it's everywhere. So, so down here, I would say under 6,000 foot level or so, in the sunny areas especially, that it's thawed. And as soon as you can work the soil, you can start gardening. So you at least, especially the trees and shrubs. So those can go in earlier than let's say a, a lettuce patch or your calendulas. Those will be coming in a couple weeks. They're not quite here, but they're on their way. So I just leave them in the greenhouses so they get a little bit fuller, a little bit thicker, get the buds in full. But the, the uh, uh, red buds, Aspens. I haven't had aspens all week, uh, all winter, basically. And now they came in and they're stunning. The great thing about trees, the trees, it looks like this year, they're, 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 they're thicker, the caliper size. So you're going by quality. You go by the trunk, how thick the trunk is, how tall it is, but not so much tall, but it's how many branches or scaffolding it has and how balanced, if it's all inward growing and, and crossing amongst itself, choking itself out, not a good grade. If it's been pruned and shaped and trimmed and, and, and over the few years and and it looks has a great shape, great quality. So you're looking for good quality trees. This year's quality is, is top notch. I mean, even the dwarfs. I mean, we've got some dwarf peaches or maybe they were nectarine, something. Little tiny cute fruit trees, fully budded. And the trunks on them, I doubt if you could get your hands around the trunk. They were beautiful. So they're better grade than I've seen in the past. And the prices are the same. So the so what we see, see in the industry, this is across all garden centers, basically. The price of the, the per unit price of, of plants is up a little bit, but the shipping cost is down dramatically. So I think you're going to see prices about the same as last year. So that's not going to be a shocker, which is kind of thankful for me. I'm going, oh, finally. So now if you haven't been out to shop for trees in four years, you'll be shocked. So they have they have gone up some. But in the last two, three years, last two years especially, seems they went up dramatically in 20, first part of 21. Then they kind of leveled off, and now it looks like they're leveled off. I haven't seen them go back yet. I'm hoping for that, but... It's that shipping cost. That seems to be that that's that's I would say a third of all the supply chain issues is can you get it in a truck, get it down and roll it to us? And we we've got trucks rolling from like the best natives are out of Tucson, the best tomatoes Tucson uh, of um, Southern California, the best lilacs bar none Central California, uh, the best conifers without question, the best growers, the artists of evergreens, conifers are coming out of the Northwest. So that's Spokane. Spokane's surprisingly very similar to us. Uh, uh, the Portland area, that those uh, out, outlying areas, especially south towards the Salem, awesome 
I mean, just unbelievable spruce trees. And we fly up and we hand pick those. So we've got them coming from all over the place. Uh, another really good name, a little bit early for him, but Albuquerque, same kind of uh, friend of mine has some quite a few acres. He's growing natives. And so the best uh, Russian sage, really awesome, uh, uh, different kinds of native-y kind of plants. Uh, so, so we're seeing this. It's it's letting up some for us. Thank goodness. The uh, we're seeing that if you can put in your red buds, your crab apples, your fruit trees, apples, pears, cherries, apricots, nectarines, you name it. If you can get those in the ground before they bloom and before they leaf out in spring, you're better off. You as a personal gardener, you in your backyard, you'll get more growth, you'll get more roots, you have less transplant shock, and you'll just have you'll have an easier time as a gardener. If you put it in, as plants flush their new growth, especially where it's windy, dry, and alkaline, this little area called the Southwest, the mountains of Arizona, um, it's really hard on plants to, to leaf out. You take it home in the back of a pickup truck, it's wind whipped. You take it to your back, put it in the ground, surround it with icky soil. I mean, you have caliche and clay and grossness. I mean, it's not happy. You water it with your water, and your water's the enemy. Your water's very alkaline, so that's an unusual mix here. And then we've got a prevailing southwest wind that will start. It just blows 10% humidity. I know it's a little moist right now, but it just gets real dry. April and May is dry for us. Typically, at this elevation, it's drier. Then the monsoons come the end of July, end of June, first part of July. Somewhere in there, the monsoons come, and it, it, the pressure's off. If you can put plants in the ground while they're still uh, rooting, still before they put their foliage up, before they go into bloom, they're much less likely to shed their flowers as they as they bloom. If you take them home and they're in full bloom at the garden center, they're going to go. They're going to get stressed. They're going to lose some flowers, if not all of them, because they're just stressed out. Because that whole sequence, uh, evergreens, your pine, spruce, conifer, uh, cedar, cypress. Um, all those conifer, leafy, not leafy, well, leafy too, but the pine needle kind of things, Colorado spruce, uh, those things prefer to be put in the ground before they wake up. As, they, as that new candle growth elongates in March and April, so another month away, three, three four weeks, you're going to see these things actively erupt with new growth. They're real tender. So that new candle growth, you'd, you know, usually you think, Conifers are pokey, and they like you get a like you get a needle rash if you rub up against them. They're just they're just aggressive. That's when they're older and mature. When they first erupt, they're very soft, like a baby's bottom almost. Not not quite. That's extreme, but they're real soft. Then as they get older into summer, they get to they get this coating, this this waxy uh, stiffness to them. But at first, they're real wimpy. So if they dry out at all, they get exposed to wind, they start to weep, the ends kind of curl over, they're, they're just big crybabies. I'm so dry. Oh my gosh, water me some. If you can put them in the ground before that happens, they are so much happier. Oh my goodness. You can do it. The most popular time is to plant them when full spring, like May. May is, is probably the, June is the hardest month to grow in the mountains of Arizona because it's dry, it's windy, very arid, and we have to water a lot to get things to, to keep going. 
May, June is, are the two most popular garden months or the highest volume most customers here at the garden center, but they're some of the hardest. You just have to be on it more. Every month you can back up before the month of June, the more success you're going to have. So the more roots, it's all about the roots. If you can get the roots underneath those new uh, maple trees or new uh, ash trees, elms, if you get those roots underneath them before the heat of summer, your success rate goes up. It's just working with the environment instead of against it. And here at this elevation, because of the way the, the wet patterns happen, the dryness, uh, the wind patterns that happen, it's, it's hot. It's, it'll be 92 at Prescott, Arizona. It'll be 92, 10% humidity, and a prevailing southwest wind day and night, just during the morning, during 12 o'clock at night, pervade all the time blowing this dry wind, gentle wind on your plants. So you get this tender new growth coming out. So every month you can back up before that. If you can get them in the ground before they leaf out, even better. And so the other one I can say for you new folks, um, it's going to get nice. It's going to get really nice. Yeah, we've been pent up for a long time, so it's going to get super nice. Now, make sure you're not tempted to plant summer things too early. That's that's uh, uh, crepe myrtles, that's tomatoes, that's uh, Rosa Sharon's, that's plant your spring things, things that like a frost potential. They like cold nights and warm days. That's your lilacs, your forsythia, that's your lettuce, your, your spinach, your cauliflower, that's your potatoes, that's your calendulas, pansies. There's things that love early spring, and you'll find some of the summer things. So your box stores, they're going to ship in, you know, 200 units to all their stores. Well, they're really grown for Phoenix. They shouldn't be grown up here, but you'll see them for sale up here. Don't get tricked into that. So check to see when you're supposed to put things in. The average last frost date is the end of April, first part of May, depending on where you're at. So just know all that. We'll go into details on that, but kind of take a break. Right back after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants of February are peony, Calgary carpet juniper, lily of the valley, and pinion pines. Pinion pine have thick evergreen needles providing year-round beauty and summer shade. It's a local native that blend equally well in a modern or Mediterranean style landscape. Go ahead, enjoy the buttery rich pine nuts from your own backyard. You'll have plenty of nuts, and pine, our deer, and javelina proof. Shop the most trees in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is well pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and orderless. So we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa... Waters Lane. We come each week with this segment just to go over the Q&A, the questions. What, what are other gardeners talking about? And there's something to be learned. You know, I, had, I was teaching a garden class last week. It was on how to prepare dirt, mm. like the simplest of, of, <laughs> of garden topics. 
but the most complicated because mm -hmm. it's the, the the soil is everything. Right. If you get that right, you can stumble your way into success. Ask any Midwest gardener. You don't have to be a gardener. You have to be a you have to be able to to chuck your hat out in the <laughs> garden and watch it grow because the soil is so ripe for for so vigorous, so easy. We saw that in Northern California. Mm -hmm. You just try, and it, it goes here. You can have that same experience, but it's got to be, you got to get the soil right. And so that we had, when the class was done, there were, I was mobbed by like 15 people wanting to know more of the question. They were really into it. That's and good. some folks just hovered around the edges just to listen mm -hmm. to the to the conversation. They didn't have a question. They just wanted to learn from sure. other folks. That's a great way to learn. And that's what we want mm -hmm. for this segment. So right. welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. You know, frequently I hear people say, I thought I was a gardener until I yeah. moved here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, you're still a gardener. You just have to learn a little bit a little different, different techniques. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Tips and tricks that kind of work mm -hmm. here. And it's the sun. It's the alkalinity. There's certain things, the altitude, the wind, wind yeah. the seasonality of it all. Mm -hmm. and the extremes. Right now right. we're getting to the extremes. Yeah. Things are starting to grow. But it's only the things that like extreme growth. Like we, I was looking in the back of the nursery. There's a, there's a, a honeysuckle blooming. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But it's just happy it. in the sun. It's yeah. right there. Yeah. All right. So we do have some questions kind of relate to that. So Richard in Prescott was pruning his maple tree. Yeah. And noticed that it was really sappy. Yeah, like okay. almost like water yeah. pouring out of the tree sapping. Yeah. Wants to know, uh, should he be concerned about that? Should he use prune seal or just let it do its thing? So there's a couple things. Now the book would say when you make a cut, seal it with that black uh, pruning paint. There's a tar. There's a special kind of paint you put on there. We've got it in spray form. Where there's one with a can that's got a brush on it. Um, I I kind of take the middle ground. So so some folks say you have to do it with every cut. Others say, oh no, it seals in the disease. I don't know. There's all this debate going on. Really, what I what I personally have found works. Mm -hmm. I did a whole bunch of pruning this week. I did not seal one of them, including maples. I noticed that with the boxwoods too. They were the grapes. They were oh. they were bleeding out like that. Uh -huh. I didn't seal them because the, there's no bugs right, right now. There's no disease. There's no pestilence roaming around. Not very much. And so I'm more worried about a fungal thing getting in there, starting mm -hmm. to eat that that live tissue. Mm -hmm. Well, by the time those things are active, it will have it will have uh, scarred over, or dried out. So at first it's quite alarming when this tree starts to you see the sap <laughs> running down out of this wound. Right. Uh, um, I, I think it's okay. That evening it will cool right down. The mm -hmm. sap will slow and I think it will seal itself or scab over by itself. I don't think there's any need. If it's really running and you're worried, come in, we've got some pruning paint, put it on there. It'll stop that. Um, that's also why we say to, to prune in the winter, mm -hmm. When it's cold, the sap is less likely to be running at that point. Mm -hmm. Or if it is during the day, it, it cooled down that evening and then it's uh, like it slowed it right down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the summer, definitely you uh, want to seal it. Right. Uh, when you're pruning your roses, anything bigger than a pencil, you want to seal that because there's a little beetle that comes in that lays her eggs and it's a cane borer. Mm -hmm. There's some things that happened, but, but for just basic fruit trees, shade trees, eh, you're probably fine. I wouldn't worry about it, Richard. 
Uh, if you do really want to worry about it, play it safe, come in and get some paint. Yeah, there that's easy. Go. All right. Jennifer in Prescott Valley planted a peony in a pot last spring. Yeah. Uh, she has not trimmed it back yet, but she wants to know, is now the time? And is now the time to fertilize? Jennifer, I'm proud of you. You went and planted a peony in a pot. That is, that's, that's garden-esque. That's like, <laughs> that's out there. Usually everyone puts them in the ground or raised beds, but they're very pretty. Mm-hmm. In a container, they got this ferny foliage. They bloom in the spring. They got this all this foliage is really pretty. I think that's a great way to go. Now, in the winter, they die back to the ground. So you can just whack that thing right off, just right as close to the pot as you can. Mm-hmm. And then probably give it a good watering when you're all done. You might even add a little fertilizer on top but while before you water it. So take some of that all-purpose plant food and sprinkle some of that and water it in. And, and, and you'll probably see the new peony eyes coming up within three, two, three weeks. I mean, we're almost there. So go ahead. Don't worry about it. It's hard to kill a peony. They've got roots that go down to minus some crazy cold (laughs) that we never see. So it'll be just fine. Yeah. Enjoy. You do bring up a good point of of watering it. So I'm finding people have not watered. Yeah. um, and, And we really have not had a significant amount of moisture since yeah. Christmas? Yeah, before it's been Christmas. a long time. So it, it really would be a good time to get your hoses out or yeah. run your system. Um, those things need some water. Uh, when we had Right before we had that crazy cold, mm-hmm. like 10 days ago, I was out there. I was shivering, had lots of layers <laughs> on, took the hose. I didn't want to turn the irrigation on. I just right. took the hose and watered all the containers mainly mm-hmm. or the brand, brand new plants. I just put them in, you know, like November. I watered those because because a hydrated plant will go through that like it was a like it was nothing. Right. A dry plant, dry and cold, that's never good for plants. So right. it's kind of an insider tip for you. Okay. Uh next question is from Sean. He has two acres in Chino Valley. Oh. They're not ready to build yet. Okay. But they want to keep weeds and all that from taking over on the property and they were thinking about putting out wildflower and some of the meadow grasses sure and just curious uh, do you need to get rid of all the weeds before you do that and is now a good time to do that now is the ideal time to put wildflowers out i mean by the end of february when your timing's peak window right now so go ahead whether it's wild grasses or wildflowers uh for them a a meadow mix Mm -hmm. actually for them Chino Valley, two acres. Um, we've got a wild, like Western native grass, mm-hmm. like what you see growing on the side of the road. The yeah. good stuff, not the tumbleweeds and the trashy, <laughs> yeah. the mm-hmm. good things. Uh, that would be great. It would. It's a taller grass, gets up maybe knee high or so. Mm-hmm. It would for sure shadow or, or, or block out all the other weeds. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about some bull thistle, some of these really nasty weeds, whorehound, right. maybe that's hard. But even those like to see the sun. So mm-hmm. these are tall enough and they're aggressive enough. They'll mm-hmm. block things out. So I would say absolutely time to do it. Go for it. Um, if you can get the weeds out of there, the, as many as you can, because once you start putting food and water yeah. <laughs> and you start nurturing this garden space, You'll be wildflowers grow, everything starts growing. So if you can, Richard, kind of take some of that. Or was that John? Chino Valley. I remember Sean. that. Sean. <laughs> you blended yeah. it all together. Yep. There we go. <laughs> Got a lot of things going through my head. So anyway, I would say um, 
get the, get the weeds and go for it. I think you're fine. So you could probably even, if you wanted to mix some wildflowers in with that revegetative mix, oh, yeah. you could, right? I mean, poppies, they get pretty tall. Yeah. Echinaceas, gallardias. Mm -hmm. These are tall wildflowers. I mean, some of the smaller ones, like little daisies and stuff, they might get shadowed out, but mm -hmm. they'll see and they'll reach towards the uh, base of those grasses and they'll start sprouting up at the, the at the feet mm -hmm. of those grasses. So often you see in a meadow, you'll see taller grasses, shorter grasses, lots of different kinds of flowers. And uh, I would think it'd be beautiful to take the Arizona mix. We make mm -hmm. a special Arizona wild flower mix and put that in with your grass and just kind of put them in the same baggie, shake and bake them, just kind of shake them <laughs> around, mix them all up and then spread that throughout the yard. Make sure that you're putting some mulch on top of that mm -hmm. seed or, or the birds will find that the seed highly attractive. Right. You don't want to put the world's, especially the grassy kind of seeds or bigger seeds. Mm -hmm. You don't want the birds eating your seeds. So, especially anyway. the crows. Yeah. The crows are out in full force right now. They've been harassing our dogs. <laughs> like, come, what are you crows doing? Come see us for more. We are out of time and we'll, uh, we'll help walk you right through there. Sean from Chino Valley. <laughs> we should, Hey, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. We believe in picking apples and pears fresh from the tree at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companions of February are Peony, Calgary Carpet Juniper, Pinion Pines, and Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley is a gorgeous shrub that loves growing in the summer shade. This bold evergreen delights with dramatic fiery growth in spring. Fragrant wedding cake layers of white flowers hover on graceful arching stems. Each dainty flower is utterly detestable to deer and javelina. Shop the most perennial shrubs in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So we should cover zones. What is our planting zone? So you hear that talked about a lot. So Prescott, Arizona is a zone seven, solid. Uh, I would say Chino Valley, Paulden, Prescott Valley, Dewey, hum Dewey Humboldt's probably an eight, you're just a click warmer, but definitely Prescott Valley. I would say you folks tuned in from Cottonwood, Camp Verde. You'd think that lower elevation, you know, Skull Valley, Kirkland. You'd think that lower elevation would, would make you a little bit warmer. That cold air settles in on you. The closer to the river you are, the colder it gets. So I would call you all a Zone 7, flirting strongly with Zone 8. Now, what does that mean? So it goes from 0 to 10, 11, 12. That's your, so it's... The higher the number you see for your zone, the warmer it is. So Phoenix, they never see freeze. 
they're going to be a zone 10. Flagstaff, White Mountains, you're going to be a zone 4 or 5. You need plants that can go down real close. So the cold, the lower the number, the colder that plant can go. And it's, it's really a, a cold hardiness rating. How cold that can the plant go in winter without dying? How much, in other words, how much antifreeze does this plant have naturally occurring within the structure of the plant so that it can't be harmed? Now, some plants have natural defenses, perennials. Many of your flowering perennials hibernate underground on purpose. They don't want to keep. They don't want to keep the whole top growth going. Now, some will do it. There's a few you know, cacti, you know, prickly pears. There's some uh, uh, sedums that will that will go above ground and just stay there. They look green. They can maybe change colors, but really, most of the activity is hibernating underground for daisies, uh, echinaceas, gallardias, uh, penstemons. All these plants you you love for the mountains of Arizona. These big bright spring flowers. They actually look dead on top. They are. They've sacrificed the top and they're hibernating underground. And so my mums, so I was pruning back all my mums. It's time to prune up everything in the yard, clean it up. I was pruning back my mums and already there's underneath that that brown leftover from fall uh, growth. I've cut that back, exposed the green growth underneath and it's actively growing right now. So it's it wants to, it likes the spring. It wants to reach up for the sun and grab that photosynthesis so it can create that beautiful summer and fall flower. That's what mums do. So my peonies, we grow amazing peonies. In fact, I believe I've got peony coming next week, the first crop. They won't be in bloom, but they'll be the eyes will be showing, the roots will be fully rooted. Uh, the, you could tell they're they're wanting spring to be here. So my peony at home, we're seeing the, these eyes, the 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 start of this year's flower is starting to elongate. So they're starting to come back to life from under underground. A lot of your deciduous plants, that is, they lose their leaves in the fall. They're usually uh, aspens. That's a deciduous tree. Beautiful gold in the fall, and they just have this white bark right now. They're butted up real heavy, so they'll leaf out pretty quick here. Uh, but aspens are deciduous. Maples, deciduous. All your fruit trees are deciduous. Uh, I guess I should cover two fruit trees for you new folks. We don't grow citrus. And we don't grow avocados up at this elevation. Those are a zone like 9 or 10. They can go down to high 20 degrees. But if you go below that, it kills them off. Just right down. It just, just obliterates them. So that's more of a desert plant. We do grow apples, pears, cherries, apricots. So, so these pitted fruits, uh, apples and pears, do amazingly well up here. Uh, so those are things that are deciduous. Though they're hibernating, they're forming their flower buds right now. And so, uh, I guess while I'm on that tangent, on that thought, uh, be careful if you're planning on planting fruit trees. Watch who or where you're buying those from. Fruit trees, because of our influence of so many elevations, there's so many zones. Uh, most of the people in Arizona live in the state of Maricopa. That's where all the bodies are. That's where most of the plants are grown for. And so there, they've got fruit trees that bloom very early. They want those apples and pears and cherries to bloom, not like now. They want to bloom in right now. So they can produce, set fruit, and be harvested before the heat of summer. You don't want those plants up here. 
they'll be beautiful plants, but they'll never form fruit. They'll, they'll, they'll bloom too early and the frost will take out the flowers. And so I hear a lot of customers, they're tricked into buying these box store basically varieties and they, they, it looks pretty, doesn't they, they live, but they never fruit. That's because they're made, the chilling hours. Uh, fruit trees have, uh, they've got programming within them that so they need so many hours of sub-freezing cold. And after so many hours, they're triggered, okay, now's the time. So chilling hours. So an apple tree up here at this elevation might have a thousand chilling hours before it goes into bloom. That means it's going to be mid end of April before that plant actually goes into flower. So you're well past frost damage happening, pears the same way. Some of your desert varieties might only need 200. I mean, can you five to one fifth as many, they're, they're gonna be in bloom in January and February. For sure we have frost, I mean, without doubt. So you're, you're not gonna, the plant will grow, it's just when does it trick, when does it come into bloom? So how exposed is that fruit to freezing? So watch those kinds of things up here. That's one, do your homework or, or come find a friend. Hi, my name's Ken. I'm a garden center here in Prescott. And I love helping folks grow fruit trees and actually having fruit up here. So watch what, who, do your, do your homework, talk to neighbors, uh, go to, go to a garden center that knows their stuff for your area. And you'll have better success. Got Lisa Waters Lane coming into the studio right after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. We believe in family, church, community, and friendships here at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion plants in February are Peony, Lily of the Valley, Pinion Pines, and Calgary Carpet Juniper. Calgary Carpet Juniper shows rich green mounds of juniper beauty that grows ankle high for the perfect ground cover. An ideal choice for low water, low care erosion control on natural banks or to soften that rock lawn. The perfect green nestled between boulders or to soften the top edge of a retaining wall. Shop for these juniper beauties in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back in the studio with one of my favorite segments just because it's not all about me. And that makes it your favorite. <laughs> it's all about you. Lisa Waters Lane in the studio, just with garden inspiration questions. The artistic piece, which I tend to be borderline sometimes artistic. Oh, you're very artistic. Well, thank you. Very much more than me, I would think. And emotional. Well, that's true. No, that, is, that is true, yeah. <laughs> Out of the two of us. Although you cry more. I'm more emotional, but you cry more. Name the last movie I cried in. Oh, okay. And then we'll... Pick one that you haven't cried in. We, we don't want to go down this path because I'm a man <laughs> and I don't want to talk about this. But this garden piece, I think gardening, this is what I love about gardening is mm -hmm. it is art. It is, it's, it's flavors. 
it's it's a scent, it's a touch, it's a feel, it's visual, it's it sounds good as the wind goes through the a pine mm-hmm. tree or as hummingbirds float over and butterflies and picking fresh rosemaries and it's it's all about the senses right. and it's all the senses. It's not just sculpting where you can touch and see it. I mean, here you can lick it and touch it. And <laughs> all the senses are are engaged. That is true. And I think that's why people love to go through fine botanical gardens. Everyone knows what a good garden is. And everyone knows what a bad garden is. We, we just know because you don't know why, but you just have this feeling. You go, oh, I really like this or... What's wrong with them? What's what? Why don't the, what's going on here? Something doesn't quite. The it's out of balance, mm-hmm. and so you bring that. That's why I like this segment. I bring balance. Yeah, <laughs> balance to my unbalanced life. Yeah. Well, that I agree with. <laughs> okay, yeah, but that's what makes you fun, guys. So. You you you're with me, right? <laughs> they understand. I'm sure they do. <laughs> okay. So this week, I thought we would talk about a new trend, or maybe not brand new, but it's a new push, it's a new concept out there, and that's using pollinators or having a garden that's a pollinator-type yeah. garden. Butterflies and bees. Butterflies and, and, and bees and, and birds and moths yeah. and bats. There's that's so good. many things that pollinate beyond what we think. Everybody thinks the pretty butterfly, but there's a lot of things out there that help pollinate, even flies help pollinate yeah many of the bees you see on flowers they aren't bees at all Mm -hmm. they're flies the only way i can tell because they look like a bumblebee they look like a but the eyes you can only tell by looking closely at the eyes and you know have a fly eye or a bee eye Hmm. that's the only way i can know but there's there's hundreds maybe thousands of different kinds of flies and bees Mm -hmm. but they all pollinate yeah. This is a relatively new trend, though, this pollinator thing. I think last year kind of emerged. Right. And it's continuing stronger than ever. So people want pretty. They want practical. They want all that. But they also want it to to provide something for the environment. So it kind yeah. of has a dual purpose. And I think that's a terrific uh, way to go because you can certainly have both. You know who I think is driving this? Who? The millennials. The younger yeah, new homeowners, younger families. I'm noticing that that, that younger mindset, they're going to change how we mm-hmm. think about food and, and pollinators and environment and sustainable. And they're wanting, there is, bees are in trouble. Butterflies, they are in trouble. We are changing their migration pattern and, and mm-hmm. food sources. And I think they care more than, I mean, we, you and I have always cared, but I think we were sometimes a lone voice I think this younger generation, mm-hmm. they actually care, and they, there's enough of them. They're making a difference. Sure. So that voice is, is coming out. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's no reason not to. If you're going to be putting yeah. flowers and trees and shrubs out, Absolutely. why not do something that helps the environment at the same time? Yeah. And it is very easy to do. It's it's not rocket science. No, nope. it's Just not. Get the balance and mixture right. Right. You yeah. don't have to go crazy about it. You can even do it in containers. If you don't yeah. have enough space that you think will work, you can grow a lot of things in containers. So Pollinators will find you. I mean, if true. you put it out there, mm-hmm. if you plant it, they will come right. kind of kind of thing so what are some pollinators <laughs> so, they could put out maybe in the spring or as opposed mm-hmm. to summer is there a well s- i kind of wanted to touch on that the main thing about pollinators is diversity you have to have diversity you can't have all just one plant or one thing they want the grasses they want the trees they want the shrubs and definitely want the flowers so that diversity in the yard is very important and i think in in our area sometimes we lack that um, because we have yeah, so true. many rock yards, and maybe yeah. they've got one 
you know, Photinia in it, <laughs> you yeah. know, that your pollinators want diversity. So you need to make sure you're doing that. I noticed that our, our biggest pollinator, best one, one that I notice mm-hmm. the most is that butterfly bush in the backyard. Yeah. It's to the east side of a humongous juniper tree. And so it cuts the wind. Mm. The wind, it's not so windy, so the butterflies find it, and the hummingbirds they find those pollinate more right. than if it were just exposed on a roof on a on a, on a mountaintop mm-hmm. where they're blown away. They're they're trying to stay in one place. It's just you got to cut the wind with some trees and right. then show them off, mm-hmm. show the flowers. The other thing that the um, your birds and your butterflies butterflies people don't think about it, but they like a little. They need a drink, so they also no, need true. a little like mud puddle or a little bird bath or a a very shallow saucer with water mm-hmm. in it. So providing that for them will also draw them in. When it comes to what you want to plant, um, there again, diversity is important for flowers. If you want to attract butterflies, uh, you want to plant things that are more red and yellow and orange. They love those colors. And they also like a real flat flower, more yeah. of a landing pad. So cone flower, coreopsis, uh, Galardia, plants Scabiosa, like Scabiosa is another flower. great one. Yeah. So those that have kind of a little landing pad yeah. for them are very important. Yeah, they also, the hummingbirds like red and fuchsia and purple. They like, they're attracted to those colors. And they also like flowers that are more tubular shaped. Yeah. So your salvia greggiis, um, plants like that are just hugely important to them. So they're again having that diversity of color and flower shape is very very important I just had for a them. thought uh-huh. on this subject we've got those real pretty uh, lavender colored butterflies mm-hmm. in the back office we should take some of those not not living butterflies they're just fake <laughs> they're know, fake decorative ones. we should duct tape or, or not duct tape that'd be cheesy but uh, <laughs> glue or tape some way onto the signage mm-hmm. just go this this plant is usually we just describe what it is and how it grows and sun right. and shade and zone we could put a butterfly that would mark that as a pollinator that's, mm-hmm. that's a that's a really good idea, Ken. It's a fabulous idea, Ken. <laughs> anyway. You're fabulous. We'll, we'll give that to my, Yeah, anyway. What, <laughs> sorry to disrupt you. I had a thought. Ooh. <laughs> bees. So bees like things that are kind of in that blue flower. Yeah. Um, terrific to put cat mint, um, the blue fortune hyssop, things like that yeah. that you can put around your garden or your fruit trees. They're going to help bring those pollinators in. Um, that way you get better pollination, better fruit production. Russian sage. Russian sage uh, is another terrific one. Yeah, blue. They can't resist blue. They just, mm-hmm. they love, 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 love blues and lavenders. Mm-hmm. We brought in, so a truck arrived yesterday and we had the heath, mm-hmm. which are actually purples and pinks and white. But the bees. Yeah. And I'm not even sure. They were so busy trying to pollinate. I mean, they were just hunting for food. You could tell they were hungry. They were hungry, yeah. And they were all over those things. It was kind of crazy. It's hard for for bees, things now, pollinators early as they wait, because there's not much blooming now. Mm -hmm. So you get more compression. They're more attraction. That's why I tell folks, plant rosemary near your fruit trees or things that are you have difficulty pollinating. Mm -hmm. You can draw those bees towards your... Think, let's say squash, where right. they need squash is notorious. Pumpkins notorious mm-hmm. for for pollination. Well, get some blues into your garden, and all of a sudden it'll attract the bees. And you won't have pollination issues. That's true. Yeah. Fragrance is also very important because there's mm. certain pollinators that like are actually more attracted to fragrant issue. A lot of your moss and bats true. are attracted to that. They're out in the evening, but it's that fragrance that draws them so in. So you, you bats will pollinate. 
Oh, yeah. Really? So I don't, I don't know if I want to attract bats, but I'm not out there. Oh. That's just me. Oh. <laughs> actually, I like bats. They keep bats the insects, are terrific. insects um, in check. Oh, they do. So we actually have a couple of mixes here that are wildflower mixes for pollinators. Oh, yeah. So if you're thinking about putting in a, just a, you have a nice patch for wildflowers, I would check those out. So it's time to put that in. Mm-hmm. And we've got quite a few plants here actually starting to bloom or, right. or you could put in. So we've got, so it's early spring, but we've got some plants for early spring that could help the pollinators. We should set up a whole display of just pollinator kind of mm-hmm. plants. I don't know how to mix perennials and annuals and shrubs mm-hmm. together. That could be a challenge. Figure that but, out. But that would be good mm-hmm. if that helps folks put the right kind of plants in. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Thanks so much, Lisa, on pollinators, how to attract and keep them healthy in your yard. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants of February are Peony, Calgary Carpet Juniper, Lily of the Valley, and Pinion Pines. Pinion Pine have thick evergreen needles providing year-round beauty and summer shade. It's a local native that blend equally well in a modern or Mediterranean-style landscape. Go ahead, enjoy the buttery-rich pine nuts from your own backyard. You'll have plenty of nuts, and pine, our deer, and javelina proof. Shop the most trees in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Austrian Pine. We have instantaneous trees just in and ready for planting. This pine has the same long needles as our Ponderosa Pine without all the problems, and these trees are really big and bold. This is the fastest growing at the pines, and lots of sizes to choose from. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love big, bold pines, they love to shop. We believe searching Waters plants are better than a Google search at Waters Garden Center. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I had mentioned garden zones. So it's the Central Highlands area, we're basically a zone seven, six to seven, somewhere in there. As you get closer to I-17, maybe you're zone eight. So I flirt a little bit of eights. I can grow zone eight things. Things can go down to about 15 degrees. Uh, zone seven is down to 10, 10 degrees. Zone six is down to closer to zero. So that's that's for the zone. So the lower the number. So if you're in a zone seven, you can grow zone seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Anything below that uh, and, and your number. So it's not just your number, nothing else. So lilacs, they're a zone three. They go down to like minus 20, 30 degrees, some crazy man cold. We've never seen that kind of cold, but they can take that. They prefer being grown here. They actually bloom better, stronger. So you can grow that, but it's a zone. You're zone seven, So, but it's a zone three. You can still grow that here. So that's, that's zones. The other one to watch too is our water is extremely alkaline. Unusual for you folks from especially the Midwest, East Coast, maybe north of here, Denver, those areas. Uh, you've got more acidic kind of soils. 
So acid. So you're, you're watching HGTV and they're saying, oh, you want to add, especially this time of year, add lime to the soil. Lime will sweeten your soil. Add lime, lime, lime. Don't ever do that to your gardens. Oh, for the love of gardening, don't do that. You will kill your soil. The other one I hear often, because lime actually lowers the pH. No, it raises pH. So for places that have, that have acid soils, you want to raise the pH. You don't want to do that here where we have naturally high or alkaline soil. You want to always lower it. You want to add soil sulfur. It's the opposite of hydrated lime. You're adding sulfur. You want to always lower the pH. It's, that's unique. This little bubble from really northern Arizona, maybe maybe west uh, New Mexico. It's just, just right here. Uh, the other one I hear often, I have a lot of folks make mistakes, is uh, ashes. Can I take the ash from the fireplace or the, or the uh, uh, grill? Can I add those to the garden? Because other places say it's best good for your gardens. Don't ever do that to your gardens, not here in the southwest. You will kill your soil. Ash is very high in pH again. Very, again, it raises that pH, so it sterilizes your soil. If you're going to use ash, put it where you never want anything to grow, down the driveway, along fence lines, where you have weeds and goat heads showing up. Put it, put it there so nothing grows. Don't put it at the bottom of your tree, your planting hole. Don't put it in your, your vegetable beds. Don't add it to your flower beds. You'll kill personal experience. This is School of Hard Knocks. My name's Ken. Just friends, just just talking. We're over the fence, back fence, talking in the backyard. We're just, don't do that mistake. Uh, and the reason that is, we have so much naturally occurring ash in our soil already, which is why our pH is so high. So all the mountaintops, uh, uh, the San Francisco peaks, it's a huge volcano. It's what's left over of a volcano. All that ash that was around there has settled down, and now you folks are now gardening in ash, basically. And so if not, you're, you're sticking a straw on the ground. We call that a well, and you're pumping the water up from all the ash. So the, the water's been infused with all this alkalinity, and so it's very heavy in minerals. Well, now every time you water, you're adding that. So, so you don't want to add, you want to, you don't compound your problems by adding more. You want to take it away. So before you add ash, if someone says, I need some potash, I'll ask them going, have you done a soil test? Before I'll, I'll try to talk them out of it. If you really want it, I have lime. I got all those things. But I'll just try to talk you out of it going, you know, I've kind of made that mistake. I know you're reading Fine Garden Magazine and that's what they do in Chicago, but I wouldn't do it here. You'll just struggle. So there's some things I've seen new folks, the mistakes I've seen new folks make. So it's it's the alkalinity. They, they make that, the uh, uh, pH stuff. They don't fertilize enough. So uh, we don't have any real natural food uh, nutrients in our soil. We have caliche and clay and rocks and granite and boulders, but not food, not nutrients. And what little, little organics you had in your gardens or on your yard, the contractor came and they scraped that all off to the side to put your footers and your driveways and your patios in. There's literally some of you out in those valley areas, you have, there's not one living thing in your gardens, not one living thing in the soil. And so you're going to need to replenish that. You need to reintroduce some organics whenever you plant a new spruce tree or a new fruit tree or a new shade tree. You need to, to, to fertilize more often 
because those plants are going to be more dependent on you as you water throughout the season. And, and organics are a good way to go because uh, it, they break down real slowly over a very long period of time. So this is a time to get, get familiar with, learn how to use organic plant foods. It's a game changer. Your plants will respond. That has a lot of sulfur and iron in it. So it brings out the green in them. So these are all things that you, if you've gardened anywhere else, you haven't had to, to think about. Here, it's a little different. Our, our wet cycles. So, so March is typically a, a wake up. It's spring. So the daffodils will be in bloom. The forsythias and quince, they will be in bloom. Guaranteed. First part or last part of March? I don't know. Could be the end of February. So it just, but it always happens. And typically it's a wet month. So we have typically very heavy, wet snows in March. Uh, and so they can be thick and just, just wet as can be so you can break branches. So if you've got some, some beautiful new, uh, let's say a pine tree or a deodor cedar, Arizona cypress, these fast growing evergreens that block the wind, block the neighbors, block the, they just, they, they're fast growing. So we use a lot of them. Um, they load up with snow and they kind of bend over. Don't let the snows do that in March. And so you, you tend to sweep that stuff off and prop them back up and they're fine. It's just, a t it's just unusually heavy for March. And so you see some branches break. We don't have ice storms like you do, let's say in Texas, with heavy wet gooey snow that happens. We need the moisture. We'll take it. It's expected. Your plants, they're used to that. They're good with it. It'll actually make your, your forsythias, your lilacs, it'll, it'll, it'll make those early columbines, it'll make the early pansies bloom longer by having that because it cools things down, keeps it cool so they bloom longer. They like that. Just kind of watch it. Just know that it's going to happen. A lot of folks will turn their irrigation on in March and with the heavy snow and they're irrigating more regularly, you really should wait until April to start powering up those irrigation systems. If you need to, water by hand. If you got a brand new, you know, you put in uh, three new trees, new, new, let's say cherry trees, water by hand. What do you, you need to water them twice a, a month. It doesn't take very much to keep them moist because we naturally have some moisture that happens. So something new. The other one to watch too is our sun is more intense at this elevation. So that'll be something. So you're, you're Californians. You're used to growing. You love your Japanese maples. I gotta have one. Where are they? I know they'll grow here. And if you look at the garden zone, there's they're rated for a zone six, five, fours. It's not the growing zone that gets those. It's the brightness and the dryness. So they do grow very well at this elevation. But they just don't like that full sun exposure in June. So they'll do just fine. So I, I plant mine in containers. I've got them in the more east exposure, north exposure, and they do fantastic. It's not about their garden zone, how cold they'll go. It's about how sun, how much, how intense that June dry, windy sun is. They tend to dry out. So they get brown tips on them and they, they'll live. You'll hate them because they look beat up and wind whipped all the time. Whereas you might put them in the more shaded area or... Just change it up. Put an amber maple. It's a small leaf maple that loves full sun. It's more of a native variety that grows here. Box elders, they love growing here. Uh, red buds, it's a native of Arizona. It's a small tree that just got this beautiful pink flower. They love growing in full sun. So you might have to change where you put them or change the variety because you're not 
Toto, you're not in Kansas anymore. You just got to change up how you do things. And we're not done yet. Got more for you. Hold on. Be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Hi, Ken here with the finds of the week and our Deodore Cedars. A standalone tree so beautifully shaped it's referred to as the Christmas tree. Fastest growing of the evergreen trees used for quick screens, windbreaks, and privacy. Graceful arches sweep through the landscape in colors of blue to green from the stately tree. An evergreen lover's dream for fast, thick growth. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love majestic evergreens, they love to shop. We believe you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think at Waters Garden Center. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lang. I know gardeners have been pent up. Uh, you can just feel it. I mean, we have garden classes you know, every winter. We start mid-January, we'll go right through spring, a garden class every Saturday uh, for about an hour on different subjects. So this week's on fruit trees, next week's on gardening for newcomers, and it's on, it just varies. You can take a look at the subject matter, watersgardencenter.com, so you, there's a big class button right there. If you're looking for garden classes locally, you'll find them. They're, they're here every Saturday. Join us, please. Uh, we're having major attendance uh, lots of folks coming in and energetic, great questions, uh, engaged students. They hang out and just want to talk and just be there in the fresh air because we're all tired of being indoors. Oh my goodness, I can't. The energy level is awesome. And they're buying. So I, I've never seen, we had a record Saturday for the first week in February. Actually, we've had a, a record, even, it even beat 2021 and 22, which were COVID years. So they were trending higher. And it's part of that's the subject matter. I think what's going on, and we're trying to adjust our crop grows right now. Um, so last week was getting your soil ready for flowers and vegetables and herbs. Uh, this week, it's, it's fruit trees. This edible theme is big. Uh, the, the price at the grocery store is so high that the sustainable, uh, I can grow my own uh, kind of kind of mentality, it, and you can, is back with a vengeance. It's not a victory garden. I'm not going to, uh, we might run out of food. No, it's not that. That, that was so 2008, 9, 10. Um, this is more of, I can, I can grow cheaper than that. My gosh, I, what is going on? And, and you can. When you're gardening, it, it just comes down to your dirt. You're, you got to have the right soil. And if you just throw it in the ground and expect a new grape to kind of take off and provide for you and your family and your neighbors, 
It just doesn't work that way. You need to take a few extra steps to ensure that those roots get deep. Once the roots are down, then those plants will, will provide for you for decades to come. At first, so first year, so the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next best time is today. It's one of those kinds of things, but uh, that's one too. If you're looking at edible fruits, a lot of your edibles, they need to be a certain age before they're old enough to produce fruit. They've got to be mature. And so for fruit trees, pitted fruits, five, six, seven years. For apples, uh, persimmons, uh, pears, some of the others, they might be, need to be seven, eight, nine years old before they're old enough to actually start producing fruit for you. They'll grow. They just don't have enough roots underneath them. They aren't mature enough to actually produce those fruit and supply all the nutrients that fruit needs to keep going. So when you're out shopping for fruit trees, make sure you do your homework. That's, that's one thing. That's a, that's a theme I'm going to tell you. Make sure you know what you're buying. It's right for up here. And ask how old it is. Is this a fruiting age? And so here at Waters, we know our customer base, they're a little bit older, not, not all. Uh, they trend that way, but they don't, if I heard had a nickel for every time I heard, I don't want to wait five years for this thing to start blooming. I want it now. And so they're willing to pay 10 extra bucks for a mature tree. So we're purposely bringing in five to 10-year-old trees typically so that they are, we're guaranteed they are of fruiting age. Anyway, throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. We, we hang out here and we just help customers, help gardeners. Do it right. Do it better. Do it smarter. If you need help, just when to fertilize, what, what to plant. Uh, check our website out. So we just got a whole bunch of trees in. We uploaded those to uh, top10trees.com. It points to our, our shopping cart. Or watersgardencenter.com at the front. It's right there. Shopping. It's right there. It's there. We we put what zone they grow in, how they grow here. It's not the national tag. It's how they grow here tag. How much wind, how much sun, how much water does it take? So we're trying to be of help to you. But uh, love talking to fans of the show. Come out and say hi at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our McMinn Manzanita. Part of Waters' expanding native selection, this is the big, bold manzanita you find growing throughout Arizona. A local evergreen growing wild with the classic red bark for a styling, drought-hardy landscape. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love lots of native plants, they love to shop. We believe retirement means more time to garden and plants make you happier. At Waters Garden Center, if you enjoy this show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to The Mountain Gardener wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you'd like even more garden tips, tricks, and helpful advice, please check out my website at watersgardencenter.com for classes, videos, and more. Or my online garden center at top10plants.com. Throughout the week, Lisa and I can be found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.